If you have your Bible, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We left off, I believe, at verse 10. So we're going to look at 11 through 18. Now, let me tell you about Ecclesiastes before we go, uh, before we, we pick it apart verse by verse. Deciding to actually teach through Ecclesiastes was difficult because uh, it's a notoriously difficult book to interpret and to teach, okay? Um, the way it's laid out, the way it's written, it's really a difficult book. Now, the key to understanding this book, and this is really the key to understanding every book of the Bible, is to understand what type of literature it is. Okay? It's not like the book of Romans, where there's a propositional statement supported by airtight logic. Um, I would describe Ecclesiastes as more of a stream of consciousness journal, where Solomon is writing his thoughts. It's all divinely inspired. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there, uh, most of it is him struggling with life, with the angst of life. In fact, it's probably most like, not the book of Romans, but one little section of Romans, Romans chapter 7, where Paul struggles with why he sins. Right? In Romans 7, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Then he, then he just cries out, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now this is interesting because the rest of Romans is, you know, we're all sinners and Christ died for us. He's the propitiation. Here's an Old Testament verse to support it. But in 7, he's, why do I do? We, we, we get this this x-ray, this MRI of the angst of his heart. So you could almost picture it like, like a man swimming underwater. And, and he's swimming through the angst of life. But, but then Paul in, in 7, he comes up for air. And when he comes up for air, he concludes, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay? Ecclesiastes is Solomon swimming through the angst of life. Why, uh, why is there such injustice over here? Why does this happen and that? And this doesn't seem fair, but then he comes up for air. Okay? Let, let me remind you of some of the angst we saw last week in chapter 8 and 9. He's like, why, are, why do things um, happen that are out of, out of control. He talks about the wind, death, war, and sin. I've got no control over these things. How can I live in a life where I have no control? Then he, he, he struggles with hypocrites who get rewarded. He says, uh, there was a funeral for an unrighteous man, yet they praised him. Ugh! The angst. Justice delayed. We talked about the reality that that happens today. Right? Justice delayed is justice denied. Then 
He's not really an atheist in his writing, but he loses sight of God at times. But then in his swimming underwater, he brings God in and he says, I know God's got a sovereign plan, but I don't know what it is. Why did God allow this to happen? And then there's the inevitability. Did I spell that right this week? No? Okay. <laughs> the inevitability of death. Is it with an E? I fixed it. Oh, you fixed it. Thank you. Okay. By the way, um, in addition to being born with a sin nature, I was born without a spelling gene. <laughs> so you'll see that on display. All right. So he, he's, he's got this angst of, of life going on. But then what Solomon does throughout the book is he comes up for air, okay? I, I'm using the analogy of swimming underwater coming up for air. He actually uses the language of, of living life under the sun, short-sighted, forgetting the attributes of God, full of frustration, but then he, he looks above the sun, okay? And there are three pillars of truth that, that Solomon goes to in the book of Ecclesiastes over and over again. In fact, if you were to ask me, what's the message of Ecclesiastes? It would be, build your life on these three pillars. In the midst of life's frustration, in the midst of the angst of your life, there are three solid pillars that you can trust in. What are they? God's sovereignty, coming eternity, and God's good gifts. These are the three things that Solomon keeps referring to again and again and again. So, so the first point is, relax in the sovereignty of God now. Okay? You know that problem you came in worrying about? You know what helps? Step back and go, I don't understand it. But I'm going to trust that God is sovereignly working that all together for my good, as Romans 8.28 says. So, like in Ecclesiastes 7.14, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other. You know what that assumes? God is sovereign over everything. He's made the one as well as the other. He's not, he's not guilty of sin. He is pure. He is holy, holy, holy. But he is sovereign even over that problem that you're struggling with. Take a deep breath of God's sovereignty and relax. Okay? Second thing, Solomon reminds us throughout and at the very end, this is the last, last verse of the book, Live in light of eternity. Why? For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. There is more to life than this life. In fact, what you do in this life will be dealt with in eternity. There is a day of judgment coming. So live your life in light of that coming eternity. And then, as we saw last week, in the midst of the confusion and the frustration, don't forget that God has given you good gifts right now to enjoy. So enjoy them. Right? Go, eat your bread with joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart. Let your garments be always white. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love. And then when it comes to your work, do it with all your might. There's, a, there's a, an enjoyment that, that uh, God has given to us. And to be so stressed out 
with uh, the frustrations of life that we don't receive his gifts, it's kind of a slap in his face. Okay? So those are the three pillars uh, that, that he goes to again and again. Now, in today's text, the last part of chapter 9, he doesn't bring any one of these three pillars up. But by now, we should have learned that whenever we read a frustration, we should be asking which of these three should we apply to the situation. All right? That's, that's what it means to renew your mind right, with God's word. And Romans, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what, uh, what is the will of God, okay? So, so by now, we should have learned that, that Solomon's going to counter any of these frustrations with one of these pillars. Now, he doesn't do it in any of these verses in the end of nine, but, but the assumption is um, the, the whole of the book wants us to do this, okay? 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take every thought captive to obey Christ. So rather than just saying, oh, it's so frustrating. I, I can't live any longer. No. Remember his sovereignty. Remember eternity. Remember his good gifts. All right? So, so that's, that's where we're going. So let's take a look at the three frustrating things that Solomon is dealing with in this chapter. The first is chance. Now, notice I'm doing air quotes here, right? Because ultimately we're going to see that there is no such thing as chance. But even though the, ver the verse itself, if you've got an ESV, it ends with the word chance. Does everybody's, first of all, does everybody have a Bible? Does it say chance? Raise your hand if it says chance. Raise your head if it doesn't say chance. What does it say? What do you got, Margaret? Mine says chance. Chance. It does say chance. Does anybody not have chance? Okay, so everybody's verse says chance. Okay. Now, um, let's, let's take a look at what he says about, about chance. Again, I saw that under the sun, now he's, he's under the sun, he's under the water. Here, so we're going to deal with some frustrating things. The first thing is that the race is not to the swift. You know, you'd think that the fastest guy would always win the race. But it's not always so. There are some freak things that happen. You know, I think God knew that I was going to be preaching on this here in this little church in, are we in Geneva? Geneva. Illinois, so he arranged a great sermon illustration two weeks ago during the Tour de France. Tour de France. Did y'all see this? This, all right. So this is this was in the first leg of the Tour de France. Yeah, which I don't care because I'm not a biker and I don't like spandex. So, um, but during uh, during the Tour de France, this lady holds up. A cardboard sign and apparently it it means hi grandma and grandpa so up camera hi grandma and grandpa and 
This is what happened in the first leg of the Tour de France. Big pileup, okay? Um, there was actually two crashes that day. 20 people hurt so bad they're out of the race. Now, what if you're this guy and you're the fastest guy? Guess what? The race is not always to the fastest. Sometimes lady with sign ruins the race, right? So, so then there's that the battle is not always to the strong. Classic illustration of that. Yeah, I wish they wouldn't put pictures of me up from my high school, but um, who's that? Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, right? Tyson, at this point in his career, undefeated heavyweight champion of the world. So tough, he will bite the other guy's ear off. Remember that? <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> tough and crazy, right? So um, Tyson is going to fight uh, just kind of an exhibition. It's kind of like in Rocky, you know, where they go, ah, we got to find just a local guy. How about the Italian stallion? And they give Rocky a chance. So they give a guy uh, a chance. His name is... Anybody know who that is? Buster Johnson? Buster Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas. Okay. So um, the odds, so Tyson's undefeated. The odds of Buster versus Tyson, 42 to 1. So if, if you bet a dollar on Buster and he wins, you get $42. So if you invested your life savings, you'd be a billionaire right now, okay? Um, so this is such a mis mismatch. In the eighth round, Tyson hits him and basically knocks him out, but he falls into the ropes, and then the bell rings. So he, he didn't, you know, you got to keep fighting. And then in the 10th round, boom! Buster connects on Mike Tyson. He hits the mat. TKO. Buster is now the heavyweight champion of the world. Right? So, the, so uh, it's not always to the strongest guy that the battle belongs. You know, a little guy named David, Goliath. Goliath's stronger than David, but David wins, okay? So the race is not to the swift, the battle is not to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent. So usually it goes, if you're, you're a wise, intelligent person, you get a degree, you get a nice job, you get bread, you're rich, right? So um, in America, if you are a doctor, you know, you start at 200,000 and you can end up, if you're a surgeon, you make millions, right? What does a doctor get paid in Cuba? Anybody know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a, a, a $1.66 a day, right? 
Who would you rather go to if you're having brain surgery? Now, it may be that they're just as good a surgeon, but they get $1.66. All right, so intelligence, education, that doesn't necessarily work out. And, and Solomon's frustrated about this, okay? Nor favor to those with knowledge. In other words, sometimes real simple people end up ahead, as proven by the biblical story of Forrest Gump. Right? So, I love Forrest Gump because, you know, he's just simple, he's sincere, he's a war hero, and he saves everybody. And then his buddy Bubba dies, so he says to Bubba in his dying breath, I'll take over your shrimp boating business. And he comes back and he, he, he's a shrimp boating captain. And then there's a hurricane, it destroys all the competition. So he and Lieutenant Dan make a boodle of money in the shrimp boating business. And then... Uh, one day Forrest says, so Lieutenant Dan invested, invested my money in a fruit company. So he opens the envelope and takes it out. It's Apple Computer Fruit Company. So he's a, you know, he makes it all, um, but he's not necessarily the sharpest dude. Now, I'm, I've been told by people who invest other people's money that some really smart people are bad investors and some real simple people are filthy rich. It's, so it doesn't always correspond, smart equals rich, okay? And then he says, but time and chance happen to them all, okay? So here, Solomon, or at least the ESV, uses the word chance. Things happen that are out of our control. Now, I brought along, I want to do a little chance game with you here, okay? I brought along a 50-cent piece. Whoa, you can't see in these lights. All right. Uh, can we play a little chance game? Are you up? Are, you look like you need some exercise, okay? So let's see. How about uh, I need a volunteer to, to help me. Annika or Tally, you want to help me? All right, Tally, come on up here. You're, you're going to be my... Uh, my helper. Okay, and what, what you're going to do, you just stand right there. So this is a 50 cent piece. That is tails. That is heads. Okay, heads, tails. All right, so when you flip a coin, wow, it's <laughs> blinding. All right, so... I'm going to do this, and you're going to call either heads or tails. Okay? All right. Um, so before we do that, I'm going to make a prediction. Okay? So let's see here. By the way, visitors, the pastor is not into witchcraft. This is actually just an experiment in chance. All right, now, here's what we're going to do. Everybody stand up, if you're able. I was at a church the other day, and they said, please rise if you're able. And they kept saying, if you're able. And I kind of like didn't feel like I was able. So, um, All right, now, I'm going to flip the coin, and you're going to call it in the air. Now, that's why, like at the Super Bowl, they, they say, I'm going to flip it, and you call it. You know why they call it in the air? You know why they call it in the air? Because once it's in the air, there's, it's total chance, right? 
Okay. So it's like, hey, Tom Brady, meet McCombs, shake hands. They're like, yeah, we've met before. This, this ain't our first rodeo, they're saying. All right, so then they flip the coin, and it's heads or tails, okay? Now, you're going to call it, if you think it's heads, put your hand on top of your head. If you think it's tails, put your hand on your tail, okay? <laughs> But you're going to call it in the air. Let's do a practice one. Okay, so here we go. Ready? Do it. Okay. All right, good. All right, so here's, <laughs> here's what we're going to do. You call it in the air now. Okay, so it is what? Tails. All right, so tails, if your hands are on your tail, stay standing. The rest of you sit down. You lose. Okay, we eliminated a lot of people. Now, feel free to mix it up. You can call the same thing or you can mix it up, okay? So here we go, call it. Okay, it is? Tails. Tails, so if your tails stay standing, okay, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six people left. You ready to call it in the air? Here we go. Are you nervous? Nothing's going to happen. I don't know. It's so scary. <laughs> it's so scary. All right, here we go. Call it in the air. Go. All right. So, what is it? Heads. Heads. If your heads stay standing, if your tails sit down. All right, we got four people. All right, we're going to call it again. Uh, are you ready? What is it? Tails. Tails. Oh, if your heads sit down. Well, well, well. It's Barb and Rita. <laughs> you guys are good. No, you stand up. Stand up. Where are you going? This, we're down to the final round here. Okay. All right, so here we go. Call it in the air. <laughs> All right, so what is it? Tails. Oh, Barb, sit down. All right, so last person is... Now, would you admit that that was totally by chance? I mean, it could have spun either way. Totally by chance. There's no way that anybody could have known that the last person standing will be Rita. Oh. <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> All right, you're going to go sit down. <laughs> And that, there was nothing set up, right? I didn't, there was not a trick set up. That was just total chance. <laughs> Saw that on Penn and Teller. All right, so now, um, I will tell you this. It was a trick, okay? I didn't really predict the future, okay? Um, but... When it comes to Solomon in the Bible, the Bible uses the word chance twice. But in the Hebrew, it doesn't have a word for chance. Okay? In fact, um, the literal translation is that um, it, it, it doesn't say time and chance happen to them all, but time and happenings happen. Time and happenings happen. Now, I think Solomon is trying to communicate that unexpected happenings happen. I think when you look at the big picture of Scripture, though, nothing happens by chance. It is all under God's sovereign 
control. Even the flip of a coin or the roll of a dice, and you go, come on. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. You roll a die, comes up a three, that didn't take God by surprise. It's under God's sovereign control. How does he do it? I don't know. Could be air currents, could be, I, I, don't, I don't know. But everything is under God's sovereign control. How about birds falling from the sky? Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. NIV says apart from your father's will. And the point is, not just that God's in control of the sparrows, but fear not, therefore you are of much more value than many sparrows. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So here's what we're to do when apparent uh, chance events, like trees falling in your parents' yard and they call you in the middle of the service, okay? Or you get a flat tire. I was out with Josh in San Diego and um, there, uh, we got a flat tire, okay? It seems like chance things, we are to step back and remind ourselves that God is working it all together for good, though we may not understand what that good is right now. So I have two weird eyes. I have a nearsighted eye and a farsighted eye. So when I read, I close my left eye, even with glasses now. And when I look up to see you, I do this. And when I watch TV with a laptop, I'm doing this all the time, okay? And really, what, what, what Solomon's saying here is, as you're going through life nearsighted, looking at what's in front of you, and something doesn't make sense, get the big picture. Look up, look up, and see the sovereignty of God. Even though you don't understand how it's all working together, Trust that a good God is working it all together. All right? So that's how we apply one of the pillars to this case scenario. All right? Let's, let's give another case study. Sudden death. For man does not know his time. Like fish that are taken in an evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare... So one day a fish is just swimming through the Sea of Galilee, doing the backstroke, and all of a sudden, a net catches him and his brother and his family, and he's dinner, okay? One day he's fine, next second, boom, he's dead. Like birds that are caught in a snare. So back then, you know, today we have chicken farms. Back then you had to catch a bird. They had, they had chickens too, but um, the fowler made his living catching birds. And one day you're a bird just eating your worms, and next day you are dinner. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. You, you know what? You could die today. Okay? It, it could happen to any of us, and it's not according to our... Any of you planning on dying today? 
No, but the fish wasn't planning on dying today either. And Solomon is frustrated with the, the thought of sudden death. Now, here's what, here's what we need to do. Live our lives in such a way that if we were to die, to die is gain, right? I hope you have your eternity so cinched up with Christ that you don't need to live in fear or with the frustration of death. Remember Jesus told the story of the rich fool had a bumper crop. He said, what should I do? I know. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to fill it full of the, the crop. I'm going to retire early. And then God says, you fool, tonight your life is required of you. Low battery, huh. 10%. We'll see if we can get through this. All right. Um, anybody know who Coleman Mockler is? Ring a bell, any of you business guys? Okay. Col I'm going to read you about Coleman Mockler. He's considered today as the model CEO. He was a Harvest, he's not here with us, but he's a Harvest Business School graduate. He had gone to work for Gillette as, a, I think, an accountant. He worked his way up the ladder to CEO. Coleman took the company to new heights of success. Under his leadership, Gillette more than doubled in worldwide sales from $1.5 billion in 1976 to $3.8 billion. Okay? It's the best a man can get. That's their motto, best man can get. Okay. Thank you, Tim. When, <laughs> with millions in the bank, he just announced that he would be retiring within a few months. Forbes magazine had just put him on the cover of their next issue, celebrating his leadership and success. And I remember that issue from 1991. We had been married two years, and you know why? Because it said performance rating on 666 <clears throat> mutual funds, and I'm like, that's the mark of the beast! So I remembered that. It, okay. The magazine wouldn't hit the newsstands for one more week on the morning of January 25th, 1991, but they sent him an advanced copy. The rest of the executives at Gillette literally applauded him as he carried the magazine back to his office. With the staff applauding, Coleman walked down the hall, stepped into his office, shut the door, and crumpled to the floor. In moments, he was dead of a massive heart attack, still clutching the magazine with him on the cover. Wow. So like a week before you retire, you've got millions in the bank, you're the stu and boom. Death. And Solomon says, it's, it's happened to more than him. It happens all the time, and it's just so frustrating. Well, what, what do we do? We live light in light of eternity. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. The, the whole point of, of Ecclesiastes is, yes, eternity's coming, so live your life in light of eternity, prepared for eternity. And the good news is, you know, you may be here today and you go, if I die, I don't know where I would go. Why, why would you live that way? When the whole good news of the gospel is that Jesus solved your death problem. 
Jesus solved your hell problem. Jesus solved your judgment day problem by dying in your place as your substitute on the cross and rising from the dead victorious. And the good news is when you trust in him with all your heart, death is gain. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. How anybody can take another step without having their eternity sealed and, and, and where, that you know where you're going to go for sure. I don't know how you live that way. Especially when the whole good news of the gospel is you don't have to live that way. Look at this, in Revelation 2:11. he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, this is what Jesus says. The one who conquers, in other words, you continue in your faith. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. What's the second death? Well, the first death is your physical death. Second death is eternity in hell. Those who have faith, you don't have to worry about. We'll all face physical death, but we won't all face the second death. I've heard it put this way, he who is born only once will die twice. But he who is born twice, born physically and born again, only dies once. Are you born again? Do you have life in Christ? Then you don't have to worry about the second death. All right. Now, last thing. Solomon gives us actually a literal case study that's frustrating. It's a study of forgotten valor, forgotten honor. So he tells a story. He says, I've, I've also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city. Let's call it Elburn, right? With a few men in it. It's a small city. And a great king came against it and besieged it. So, so let's say the evil people from DeKalb are going to take over Elburn. And they build siege ramps against it. But there was found in, in it a poor, wise man. We'll call him Tim. Okay. <laughs> And he, by his wisdom, Tim was a smart guy, he delivered the city. All right? I don't, it doesn't even tell us how. doesn't matter. But through wisdom and shrewdness, Elburn was saved. But here's the frustrating thing. Yet no one remembered that poor man. They had a parade. The mayor was in the parade. And they, it was victory, but poor Tim didn't get recognized. <gasps> that's stolen valor. That's forgotten valor. Now, he's going to riff a little bit on, on how good wisdom is. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. You know, the unfortunate guy didn't get a parade, but let me tell you this, it's smarter to be wise than to be strong. Okay? The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of ruler of a ruler among fools. Loud, 
person who's not smart doesn't do you as much good as a quiet person with wisdom. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. So you've got this forgotten valor, and one guy can screw up the whole parade, right? One guy can... But what's the, the main point of the paragraph? You can do heroic things, great things for people, and be forgotten. And that's unfair. Now, what, how would we apply one of the pillars to this? I, I say we go back to eternity. For God will bring every deed into judgment. Now, if you're an unbeliever, that's terrifying. If you're a believer, you have no fear of death. You have no fear of hell. In fact, you know what you get on your day of judgment? You get reward. With every secret thing, whether good or evil, it's brought into, you could say, judgment or prominence. So you know what? If I don't get my pat on the back here during this earth time, look forward to eternity. That solves that frustration. Okay? Now, you said, well, we, 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 we're going to cover three. We talked about relaxing in God's sovereignty, living in light of eternity, enjoy God's good gifts now. Okay? We didn't touch on that. Now, last week was all about that. Last week was all about enjoy God's good gifts now. Um, right before, excuse me, this section, uh, we, we, is this paragraph. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. Let your garments always be white and joy. Life with the wife whom you love, do it with your might. One of the ways of coping with the frustrations of life is not being so frustrated with the frustrations of life that you miss God's good gifts, right? Enjoy a good meal. Enjoy a cup of mocha, right? Take your wife to Florida, which is what we're going to do today, right? I wore a, or earlier I had a Hawaiian shirt on, and um, I'm ready to go to church, and she goes, you're not wearing that. <laughs> so, hence the new Coles shirt, right? You like that? Okay, I'll take you to Florida. Nothing better than going to 115 degrees swampland. <laughs> Move it along, right? <laughs> um, how does this fit in to the Christian life? Okay, um, I'll, I'll close with this thought. There's a movie, it's a horrible movie, called Defiance. Um, it's a, it's a true story of three Jewish brothers who escaped Nazi persecution during World War II, and they hide in the woods, and they rescue 1,200 other Jews. And the, the uh, kind of the promo that you see in the trailer is in a thick European accent, one of the brothers says, our revenge is to live. Our revenge is to live. Now, as we covered last week, 
an essential way to glorify God in the midst of a frustrating, secular, crazy world is to live. Okay? Not just survive and grumble, but to enjoy God and enjoy His church and enjoy God's good gifts in spite of the frustration all around. Because you know what that shows? That you really believe in God. That you're really trusting in Him. So, relax in God's sovereignty. Live in light of eternity. Enjoy God's good gifts. And do that all now. That's the message of Ecclesiastes. All right, let me pray and then we can close with one last song. Lord, we are, uh, we're like Solomon underwater a lot, where we look short-sighted. But Lord, thank you that this man in his old age looks back and he shares this wisdom. And Lord, I pray that you would enable us to apply these three pillars to our lives. Uh, not just so we can live uh, better lives, but so you'd be glorified. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.